Wouldn't boom, boom. There'll be nothing but RSV. Boom, boom for the one that I love. And an RSVP huh. right. in the back. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that right, wasn't that- even funny, but I'm still giving you that positivity. I want you to realize that. I'm glad that that's recorded. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. This is, of course, your favorite podcast about the OC, the teen drama from 2003. My name is Ryan Drake, coming to you from apparently stormy Oklahoma City on a warm, humid summer night in August. It's my birthday week. Uh, Dylan has already ruined it by being here, um, but we're here to talk about Happy two birthday. more two more episodes of the OC. We're covering episodes nine and ten of season three, and of course, I do not do it alone. Uh, I do it with the help of my friends. I would like to say hello and welcome to the Helium Queen, the head of the trauma department, the <laughs> Minch, the Minch of Tulsa. Of course, I'm talking about Chelsea Trinidad. Hello, Chelsea. Hey guys, what's up? Ryan's not kidding. Like, I was really sick last week. It was not great. It wasn't as bad as COVID, I don't think. I mean, I haven't had COVID yet. But Wait, what was I not kidding about? What did I say that was... About- I thought you made a joke about RSV. <laughs> I did before the show started. Oh, Sorry. God That's damn. a side effect of RSV is hearing jokes it, that, that weren't said. No, I know. Is, mm. it, is it brain fog? Because all these people are talking about how, oh, I have post-COVID brain fog. And I'm like, well, I don't have COVID that I know of. But You just have brain fog. I could certainly blame a lot of lapses as of late on that. I feel like I've had like post chicken pox brain fog for the last 27 years. <laughs> that voice you're hearing is, of course, depressed daddy Dylan coming to us from Oklahoma City. Hello, Dylan. You know what? Hey, I love this weather. It's raining. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It's stormy. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I'm really feeling it tonight. I'm really excited. I'm trying to bring the energy this week because we're about to go into Ryan's birthday and I cannot wait to just completely ruin everything, you all. And by the time you hear this, you will have heard about what happened at the speakeasy that night. <laughs> the great and fire of the 2021 <laughs> speakeasy. <laughs> just screaming, screaming people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. I like these episodes. I didn't realize we were going to get a Christmaca episode, um, this episode of the podcast. So when Leslie and I were watching it, we were pleasantly surprised because Ted Lasso also did a Christmas episode this week. Did so I haven't seen it yet. Oh, wow. Okay. We're, we're feeling like we're really over summer. Yeah, no, these episodes, I'm, I, the, I hate the Johnny storyline. Like, the things that they're doing, I kind of enjoy, but the reasons they're doing them drive me insane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they were better than I remembered. They're not better than I remember. <laughs> I just hate Johnny so much. He's the worst. Um, all right. Well, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's begin Whoa. with episode number nine, The Disconnect. <laughs> Disconnect features Andy Cohen on screen for six minutes and 29 seconds. Dylan, I'm begging you to pay attention long enough to tell me more about the disconnect. December 8th, 2005 was almost Christmas, and this episode aired to 5.88 million viewers. Who wrote it? Great question, Ryan. Stephanie Savage wrote this episode. Very quickly, I just want to ask you guys a question. Uh, I don't remember which one of you was covering this, but 
Did I miss? Is Ryan's new? Is his haircut new? Has it been around? <laughs> did I miss it? Because I noticed in this episode, I was like, "Damn, Ryan's got really great hair." They finally cut it, his hair, and it looks great. I know it, they but took, is it, new? it took him long enough to figure out what to do with Ryan's hair. Like it starts to get better this season, and then they really, really start to nail it. Uh, season four, season four, Ryan's hair like finds its stride. But he does have great hair. That is weirder now to think about. I don't think I ever put it together that when Ryan had that terrible hair, he was still a man in his like early to mid twenties. He wasn't like a child. Yeah. yeah. So we had to like go to the club and get bottle service and try to pick up babes with that awful like skater haircut. Hey. Yeah. I say that. Yeah. Great, great <laughs> input, Dylan. You're going to bring it this hard the whole episode? Dude, I'm just. Dylan's wearing his hood right now and like gazing well, out think, the window I'm, with the rain. I'm thinking about how. I'm just thinking about Johnny's hair because it's the single most offensive thing in his entire storyline. And I, I was trying to figure out if I actually knew how old the actor who played Johnny was. And I think he's either 14 or like 37. You could tell me either one and I would believe you. His feathery hair is is really frustrating. He has Tyson Ritter energy, I think, a little bit. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. that's good call Stillwater out. Golden Boy. That's right. Sorry, Matt Damon. Tyson's our original Stillwater Golden Boy. <laughs> Matt Damon. Uh, all right. The disconnect. Ryan has a good haircut. Let's get into it. All right. So it starts out with Seth, Ryan, and Marissa taking Johnny home from the hospital. The neighborhood looks a little bit different than the ones that they're accustomed to living in. And uh, Johnny's like, oh, that's my house over there. And Marissa's kind of like, oh, is this mansion yours? And he's like, no, it's that house. And they show this perfectly nice house that, let's be real, in California right now is probably selling for $800,000. But... For whatever reason, they're framing it for us to be like, oh, Johnny lives in the streets. What did you guys think about the scene? He's not Marissa. He doesn't live outside, but he, he yeah. does have a house. But so, this was a hang on. Was this, my only real input here was, was this in my, to my recollection, this was the first time that Johnny and Seth had any sort of interaction with each other. I feel like it may have been. Or didn't Seth go to one of the parties or something that Johnny was at? I don't think Seth went no, to the swells. Did he? yeah, because mm-hmm. he was at the lockout, so just Summer was there. I don't know. Yeah, whenever Seth said, so, "I'm yeah. just, I'm just like, I'm just tagging along or whatever," and I was like, "Yeah," because you guys have probably never even really met each other to this up to this point, right? I think you're right. Yeah. The we also had another one of those weird meta lines in this scene where Johnny is like making them feel guilty, but also thanking them for giving him a ride and saying that he could have taken the bus. And I think Ryan says taking a bus never seems to work out around here. Mm-hmm. And like, I get what they were going for, but I feel like the meta is becoming a little bit too self-aware at this point. And I just I want to get ahead of this. And I'll try not to say it a whole lot, but every other, like, no joke, every other one of my notes is Johnny is so pathetic. And I think the first one is when he, like, does a, vaude- up the stairs. Like, oh, does a vaudeville routine on the other <laughs> side of the car, dropping everything. Yeah, it's like everything falls over, and is like, It's like oh, a Snuggie God. commercial. Like, she, like, runs out <laughs> with her arms in the air, like. Um, it's... Wait, Dylan, that was really funny. I want to give you props for oh, calling it a Snuggie commercial. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, just... This is dropping everything. Yeah. <laughs> There's your one compliment of the episode, Dylan. Yes, I'll take it. It's comical, though. Marissa, like, chases after him. And, like, her arms are, like, full, like, waving in the air. Like, oh, my God, I got to help. And Seth. It's like an angry Muppet. Yeah. Like, Seth kind of, like, is snarky about it. And Ryan's like, oh, no, that's cool. Like, you know, I, I trust Marissa. But, like, my question is, did, 
did Ryan not know what happened with Casey? Like, did he think that Casey just, like, cheated on Johnny, like, completely unprovoked? Like, I don't understand. Like, why does Ryan think that they have beef with Volchek? Like, what is his thought process right now? I don't think that Ryan knows anything about why Casey was straying from her love with Johnny, because that would require that Marissa and Ryan actually have a genuine conversation about things going on in their lives to one another. Um, so I think he just kind of adopted the beef as one is wont to do, and then grew beef of his own by virtue of uh, Volchek stealing Marissa and taking her down to that pier where no good things happen. Hmm. <laughs> you merely adopted the beef. I don't know. It just confuses me. Like, I feel like he'd be like, well, why is this Volchek guy coming after you? And then they'd have to be like, well, because Casey cheated. I, I don't know. None of this yeah, makes but I sense. feel like that. I feel like that makes sense to me that they'd be like, yeah, because Casey Casey cheated on Johnny with Volchek, and now because he's an asshole. I don't. Yeah. It, it just seems like he's very intimately involved, and it seems like I'd be like, hey, wait, why is all this conflict happening? But whatever. I that's mean, exactly what. That's Ryan's fatal. That's Ryan's Achilles. Whatever we call it, right? This is <laughs> he gets over involved in every situation. It's his Achilles brain. Um. Yeah. So if we're going into Ryan, Marissa, and Johnny's storyline more, because you know it's our favorite. Um, Marissa, <laughs> she helps Johnny get settled in and his mom kind of comes in and she just seems lovely. You know, she's like, oh, Marissa, mm-hmm. I didn't know you were beautiful. Johnny talks about you all the time, which obviously is like so embarrassing. I kind of oh, like, geez. I like Teresa's mom more, but, uh, as far as new moms we're meeting, <laughs> I like Teresa's mom more, but Johnny's mom is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets him an appointment, uh, on a wait list with a fancy athletic orthopedic surgeon. But the wait list is, like, months long. Um, So Johnny's like, well, I'm going to miss the tour. So, obviously, that really sucks. Um, Oh, Johnny. Yeah, this is is exactly where the thread starts to come undone completely. Where it's like, oh, remember Johnny's a surfer? His plan is to go surf full time, but he can't because he got hit by a car that was a hit and run and nothing ever came of it. No one ever asked anyone who that person was that hit him. (laughs) But also, he has to go to a fancy orthopedic surgeon to get his knee fixed. He can't just go to a hospital and have a surgery. has to be some fancy surgeon, and they have to raise money for this. It's like a whole thing. Like By the time you get to the surgery, it's like we've gone down this road way too far yeah mm-hmm. i like to think dustin was driving the car <laughs> in my head that's why he hit him because he can't drive because he's a dog um that would make more sense than what's actually happening but i hate the johnny storyline so much <laughs> i think that's why i'm sad <laughs> um so summer comes to get marissa and johnny pulls summer side and he's like hey you need to help keep marissa away it, it's it's like the epitome of sad desperate johnny but he, but Marissa has been like fawning over him and really taking care of him and waiting on him hand and foot. And he's telling Summer like, I like it too much. I really like Marissa. She has to get out of here. This is getting weird. And Summer's like, I knew it. I knew this is happening. But also this is the outfit of the day because Summer's kind of dressed up like a sexy pioneer woman. She's in this like brown, what? like no. floral Just, dress. It's oh so my funny. God. And it's like a big belt and, and boots. I'm gonna, I'm giving you you, this is your corner to stand on. You have final say in outfit of the episode, so that is the outfit of the episode. I just, I very much disagree. Is there a better one? Summer in a marching band outfit. <laughs> Seth in a pirate outfit. Those are novelty outfits. I guess that we picked novelty outfits for this before as well. But I mean, somewhere in that hat is really funny. Any hat with a big feather on it. Those are called plumes. Thank you. <laughs> I wore one. Um, Ryan wore one every did, weekend. Why did 
Johnny tell Summer this? Like, that's such a weird way to get the point, like, to, to get from point A to point B. You know what I mean? I, I'll tell you right now that at, you would think that he told her in the hopes that she would then tell Marissa, but Summer is, like, so obviously not into it. I don't think he has any motivation whatsoever. Like, at least later, he has that whole I'm drugged out and confessing my love thing. That makes sense. But I I have no idea why he would do this to Summer. I mean, I think he's just fucking desperate. Like, I think that he had good intentions at this point and was really like, I can't control my feelings. I have to get help. Marissa cannot be here. She is not like I can't draw boundaries and Marissa has none. So he's hoping that <laughs> Summer will kind of swoop in. Um, okay, well, okay, my other question here is like, are we, what do we think of Marissa here? Is she truly just being like an altruistically helpful person? Or do we think she has feelings for Johnny that she's like just not confronting? I think she's being kind of how she's always been, like altruistic Marissa who really does get attached to people easily. So much like Oliver, she really did think of him as a friend, but had no boundaries again and then the obviously oliver started feeling things that he shouldn't have been and this is no different than that i agree i don't think she's interesting enough to have an ulterior motive personally well and even think about how she interacted with brian while she was dating luke this is pre-luke cheating on her this is when she was supposedly in a very happy relationship with luke yeah i wanted to say that um i recently rewatched the first two episodes of the oc like recently like last week Mm -hmm. and um when we started this podcast two seasons ago, I was, the only episode that I flat out skipped and did not watch when we did the recap for was The Model Home. <laughs> so I actually haven't watched The Model Home in years. And I rewatched it recently, like last week. And I had the same kind of thought of like, there's a scene where Ryan's in The Model Home and Marissa leaves Luke at a party to go see Ryan and says like, I want to spend the night with you. And I was like, what does she think that this means? Like, there's clearly something happening with her and Ryan in that moment. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if she recognizes that in Johnny in this moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Gross. It's, so I don't know. It's a recurring thing with Marissa. Yeah. Anyways, Rosabar gently tells her to kind of back off. And Marissa, again, is just not getting it. She literally says, oh, it's okay. I really like being his nursemaid. How many people <laughs> need to tell Marissa that Johnny is in love with her? Because apparently even Johnny saying something doesn't do anything. At some point... It becomes a character flaw. An Achilles. An Achilles heart. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's my Achilles clutch. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, I respect her for making her, doing her own thing, I guess, making her own choices, not listening to everybody, but everyone's right. Uh, So Ryan, later in the episode, gets stuck at quote unquote work um, with Matt. So Marissa hangs out at Johnny's house by herself. She kind of gets roped into it in her defense. Um, Johnny's mom is like, well, why don't you come over? We'll play board games and watch movies. Um, but it, it ends up being just Marissa and Johnny on this tiny little love seat. And um, like, I mean, Johnny falls like, to me, if you're hanging out with someone who's like badly injured and on painkillers, like the minute they fall asleep, like <laughs> that is your cue to get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what she's doing. She's just like hanging out with them in the dark, really late at night while he falls asleep on her shoulder. Didn't this exact thing happen with Marissa and Olivia Wilde? Or was it Marissa and Trey? Mm. No. Well, she had the movie night with Trey and they watched The Notebook. Yeah. Marissa likes to watch uh, movies late at night with men who aren't her boyfriend, which is odd. I feel like... I feel like her and Alex had a similar situation where she went over to Alex's house to like. No, you're right. And, and end up falling asleep Marissa's on the couch head together. fell on Alex's shoulder, 
in that episode. Yeah. I am. Okay. Um, and again, they so ended up see? dating. She so knows the move. I okay. So I did notice something. I've started noticing this. Like, well, I should have noticed it earlier because it's something that was brought up in the very first episode of this podcast. But how they use really different lighting to convey a specific mood, and I I notice that they always have the poor people's houses, quote unquote, dark. Have you noticed that? Like, they can't afford electricity, so they're like, okay, we're at Johnny's house. Let's not have any <laughs> lights on. Yeah, it's like sepia-toned, uh, his whole house, like, like whatever they're showing that. He lives in a and, Hollister. And school. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, what is going on with Ryan? He's being so trusting. Like, this is a different Ryan than we've seen before. Um, is it because he and Johnny are, like, kind of friends? Because they, like, worked as a team to defeat Volchek? Like, what's going on? <laughs> to defeat Voltron. First of all... <laughs> Gidget. His name is Gidget. Gidget. Um, secondly, um, I feel like the Ryan storyline here, he gets so preoccupied with his own stuff that he also feels guilty for not doing things with Marissa. So he's more forgiving to her for not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense. But I just, Johnny's just total invalid. Like, is that is that an offensive? Should I not wow. say that? No, he's, like, he's, like, he's like a Victorian waif. He's an invalid in a Dickens novel. No. Did I? Oh my god, is that like offensive term? I didn't mean that. This is week two of, is that <laughs> offensive? Well, welcome to Chelsea's Cancel Corner. Today we're going to determine <laughs> if when used in the 19th century sense, invalid is an inopportune word. I'm what I mean to, to say... Leslie's invalid an offensive term? Depends on how you're using it, I guess. She said depends on how you're using it. Oh, Leslie's so sweet. Yeah. She brought you Thanks, babe. soup. Oh no, it's uh, stir fry. But I don't think it's an offensive term. So wake up from that weird night. Johnny's just having so much trouble. He, he can't move about his life without any help. And I shouldn't be laughing, but I am. It's terrible. Um, he goes over. I think he's either trying to make himself a sandwich or go to the bathroom, but he just falls over. And it's so sad and pathetic. <laughs> Was that when he breaks the glass and lands in the glass? And he's yes. like, yes. Yeah. Oh, but he's fine. I remember when Marissa fell face first into the glass and she was all she was all bloody. But Johnny's fine. Marissa like feeds him painkillers and he's all drugged up and he just confesses his love to her. And Marissa acts like it's the biggest fucking deal in the world. She's like, <gasps> like, it's such a surprise. This is so frustrating. I want you to go back and listen. So whenever another thing that I like to do is whenever a character makes a really weird sound, I like to make note of it. And so my note here says, ha, 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 Johnny, oh my God, he broke glass, fell into glass, then made a pathetic <laughs> sound. If I remember correctly, so he falls down and Marissa walks in and then he goes like, <laughs> well, he's on the ground. And I want you all to listen to it. That's been Dylan's weird sound of the episode. All right, all right come on. Here. Uh, uh, I think I twisted again. Okay. Uh, 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 uh. So Marissa, obviously, she's really weirded out. She doesn't know what to do. She can't go tell Ryan. So she tells Summer what happens, which, by the way, they're sleeping in the same bed, which is like kind of cute. But also Summer's Mm -hmm. house, to me, looks like it's about 8,000 square feet. So a little confused about that. But Johnny goes to her house the next day to apologize. And Marissa kind of does the, you know, I think we need to spend some time apart. Yeah, but this is is too much. This is Johnny trying to call her. Apparently, we don't see what, what her reaction is to him telling her he's in love with her. Next time we see them, she's just telling Summer. And also Johnny's like blowing up her phone like it's the next morning. This is the biggest red flag, in my opinion. Like he's blown up your phone. 
he needs to talk to you. Like, it's so urgent. It's like, dude, that's, you gotta get out. You gotta get away from that guy. That guy is crazy. And then he literally shows up to her house at the end of the, like that same day. And, yeah, and, he, and he has to have his mom drive <laughs> yeah. him. Like. That, that was my other note, which was Johnny's mom drove him to see Marissa. Ha, 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 He can't drive, right? Because his leg's fucked up. He has friends. Oh. Well, also, no Chili and no um, Taylor in these episodes. Oh, I, w- there was one important, very, very obscure thing that I found in this episode, but I lost my mind when it happened. Um, there's a Nancy Pelosi shout out on the news when Marissa is leaving Johnny's house. On the news, they mentioned Nancy Pelosi, which I didn't realize she'd been around that long. I didn't either. That's incredible. Hasn't she been around like longer than almost any other person in the house? I'm not going to pretend to know this because I'll sound like an idiot. Yeah. Hmm. Politics. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Um, I don't know. We we all have feelings about this. We'll, we'll revisit the storyline in a little bit, but they left it a bit open-ended. Uh, we're going to move on to a lot more fun of a storyline, but... Maybe equally frustrating in some ways, and that is Seth and Summer. Oh, she was a rep- she was a California representative since 1987 before she moved on to the House in wow. 2007. Hmm. So it turns out that none other than Summer has m- scored a 2300 on the SAT, and that Ooh boy. puts Seth suddenly in competition mode. I hate this so much. I hate that. Well. I hate that they have to do this. To, I'm saying not that they Seth does this. I'm not going to blame the writers. This is a Seth problem. Yeah. But I did like how they wrapped it up at the end. I feel like they wrapped it up really well. He did a good job. But yeah, yeah Seth being threatened because Summer is smarter than him, which I think we all would have known that she's smarter than him. But he, I don't know. He gets like it's like the street smarts versus like book smart. But uh, I Seth is such an asshole here. Like Summer. Summer was so shit on by everyone in this storyline, by all the people in every situation, even Kirsten. Yeah, well, no, the only two people who don't shit on her is Ryan and um, Sandy, because whenever they find out she's smart, they both go, well, she did save Chrismica. Yeah, I love it. Which I feel like they had to write in to remind us for the next episode, but yeah. I thought that was a cute little (laughs) motif that they included, though. But you're right, even Kirsten goes, Summer? Mm -hmm. like Like right out of the gate, Seth immediately compares her to a third grader and is like, yeah, if 1,500 third graders took the SAT, at least one of them is going to get a perfect score. And it's like, yeah, that's extreme, dude. I, don't I barely, when, I don't have to, when I'm not recapping episodes, I barely take notice. But one of my notes in here said, why the fuck does Seth call Summer a third grader? I hate him. And, when, and maybe I just missed this, but have we always known that Seth is smart? I always just thought of him as a comic book nerd as opposed to like a smart geek. Like all of a sudden he's, you know, sitting there reading Kierkegaard saying he's the godfather of angst. Yeah. I don't remember this. And like Seth. correcting her grand. Like I I thought Zach, wasn't Zach like the smart guy? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, it's, yeah. I don't know. I don't get I, it. I always felt like Ryan was smarter than Seth and people always mix that up. They're like, oh, because he's a nerd, he must be smart. Like that's stereotyping. That's not right. I'll never forget, Chelsea. The be- one of the best things you've ever said on this podcast was at, like when we talked about Seth. I don't remember what episode it was. Maybe it was the Seth episode or maybe it may have been episode one of this whole series when you said Seth isn't like a smart nerd. He's like an Elon Musk nerd. Yes. That was like the first <laughs> yeah. episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I stand by that. Um, I I do like how Ryan calls him out for this. I think that, that was important. Um, you know, he tells him, like, I think it's great. The summer's a genius. Like, you want to go to Brown? Now you guys can go to Brown together. Like, don't compete with your girlfriend. So it mm. kind of feels like Ryan's the only voice of reason in this whole scenario. So good on him. 
Um, my next question is, why is there such a big, like, Brown event at Harbor when they're like, oh, we only take one student? Like, that's a lot of money to spend recruiting That's a great question. I didn't even consider that. That's a great question. Like, that makes no sense. Like, they're, they're not even going to have, like, a, a Newport event. They're going to have a Harbor Brown, like, we are going to throw this big party so yeah, Brown, one student. Does this Brown guy go to every high school in America? I don't know. It. Seth is just so rude, though. Like, he says things to Summer, like, yeah, you're smart in your, you know, you're smart in your own way. And then and then he goes on a... I just realized what I said. Don't I stop? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm edit that out. Since you're going to you edit it out, I've been over here about to die because you guys keep talking about... Does this brown guy just go everywhere? I'm like, dude. Oh, my God. Um, okay, hold on. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if there's a brown... Is there a brown event, like, in every high school in America? They had to... This is so overwritten for this. But also, the girls... The people... First, there's a lot of people there. So, apparently, a half the school is applying to brown. I don't know. But, like, these two girls that uh, know Summer, we've never seen them before, they're like... I would... If I were to judge them, I would be like, oh, yeah, they're kind of like basic california girls and they're just like talking shit on summer for like oh you're applying to brown and i was like get the fuck out of here i hate i hate everyone that's being mean to summer here she's a smart yeah person. me too it's and and seth is the worst of them he says things like yeah you're smart in your own way and then he says oh well you know this has been my dream forever and all of a sudden it's your dream too like bitch your dream this whole time has been to be with summer and now you've gotten your, your yourself this dream girl and she wants to go with you to college and you are competing with her and that speech, he, he, so, you know, she's like, well, I want to do things. Like, I want to be the first woman in space or maybe the first woman to win a, a Nobel Prize. She says a Nobel Prize. I hate and this. And he gives her the most condescending speech I've ever heard in my life. I hate Seth. I Even the way that they wrapped it up, I still really can't forgive him. But he's kind of like, you know, well, women have been in space since the 60s. And it's not the Nobel Prize. It's the Nobel Prize. And kind of does all this correcty stuff. And, like... It makes me so mad. He just casts her aside. He's so quick to cast her aside. Is this how I sound to Leslie when I take her to a comic book movie and I explain what everything means? This is how you sound to, I think, all of us all the time. You just don't realize it. Um, I'm very <laughs> excited about the lack of comic book minute this season. Just want to throw that out there. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> but clearly I'm finding new ways to interject. Yeah, I didn't. I The only thing I liked about it was that Seth was able to, I guess, tell her I guess it was kind of vulnerable for him to tell her that like basically I'm keeping score here in our relationship and I have one thing that I'm good at and it's being smart or smarter than you which is a shitty thing to say and it's wrong but I did like that he was able to express that I guess that's how low the bar is for Seth at this point Mm -hmm. um he literally tells his parents that he and Summer are at war those are the words that come out of his mouth. A pirate war? Uh, I Seth like that. tries to uh, be the school mascot to make us all stand out. And Summer reveals that she is actually quite the, uh, do you say the tubist? Uh, how, how do you say someone plays tuba? Let's say the tubist. It's a tuba player. It's the, the tuba tubist. player. It's the a tubist. tubist. <laughs> you just got vetoed. Well, well because of a flute player, they're the flautist. So I thought mm-hmm. maybe you could be the tubist. No, they're called a fluter. It's a fluter and a tubist. Listen, as a former high school band nerd, I... I'm offended that Summer thinks you can just walk on and join the band at any moment. <laughs> I mean, if, if you looked as adorable in that feathered hat, I, I think that people would let you join the band also. She looked incredible. I mean, as a child, as a band nerd in high school, when this, or I guess I had just graduated high school in 2000, December 2005, uh, 
I, I remember vividly being like, oh my God, that's Rachel Belson in a marching band uniform. <laughs> um, big moment for me. Uh, but yeah, no, you can't just walk on and join the band. But also her playing a tuba was very awesome. I'm glad it was a tuba and not like a piccolo or a clarinet. How'd you get that uniform? Great question. Also, who was it that played... Was it Lindsay that played the piccolo or the She played the oboe. She played the oboe. She played the oboe. That's right. That's right. Okay. And then later in season four, we get Chris Brown playing. He's on the drum line. So yeah, a lot of cool, a lot of cool music references here on this show. Let me tell you. (laughs) That's what can't come for the OC. We we do it because it's cool. Yeah, that's right. Um, So, you know, Seth Seth talks to Ryan about just, you know, Summer being smarter than him, makes him feel emasculated, blah, blah, blah. Ryan kind of talks him off the cliff. And eventually they reconcile, and it is very sweet. They end up sending their applications together. And, yeah, I did um, like the scene of them writing it together on the on the bed with the laptops, passing them back and forth, and like helping each other proofing. I'm assuming Seth sabotaged hers. It was sweet. I'm also I feel like I'm also tainted by I know how the rest of the season goes, and I'm still just like harboring anger, knowing what's about to happen with the punky Seth. But you know, mm-hmm. for. As a standalone, this episode had a nice little, you know, build up and then a nice resolution. So I'll give it, I'll give that to the little storyline. Uh, Dylan, anything to add to the storyline before we move on to adult world? Please don't ask him that. The, the main, the, well, the main thing that I just despise about Seth, remember I'm hating Seth this season, um, is I feel like, okay, this is going to be controversial and I'm sorry, Ryan, but as much as I dislike oh Seth, I feel like Summer needs to take some of the blame. Because Seth is just a douche canoe for an entire episode. And then we'll do one kind of redeeming thing and Summer will just be like, okay, whatever. And then they'll continue to do their Seth and Summer thing. No, I agree with you completely. And that, that's just that's the thing that I don't like about it because he's not really learning anything from his behavior. He's just... I, he's doing the same stuff over and over, which again is our, our, our you know, our cycle of, uh, of, of OC plot lines, but... That's really the only thing I'll say. No, I agree in the sense, and I completely agree with you, that Summer can do better and needs to recognize that she could do better. And at some point, it's on her to realize she could do better. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought I thought that exact thing when the, the beginning of that episode where, Ryan, where Seth says something like, the calls are a third grader, and she's like, well, I'm not a third grader. And he says something like, well, how else can you explain it? And she just goes, I don't know, and walks away. And I was like, you should be way more upset than that. Like, you just yeah. let him say that. Yeah. You should be like, fuck off. I have things you don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, we'll, we'll breeze through the adult world plot, you know, I thought it was pretty good, but um, Kirsten and Julie are working on launching a business and they're kind of brainstorming on what to do. Julie just has no interest in it. It's actually kind of funny. Julie has some very Republican views about not letting the poor people get too comfortable, which is ironic considering her status. That's I'm not going to make a comment about modern politics, but that's usually the way it works. I also think that they would have been much more successful if they would have started a a balloon company. Yes, they would have. They would have been ahead of their time. Let me tell you. Yeah, Julie Cooper doing my birthday party. <laughs> um, eventually, they land on party planning and catering since they um, already have a built-in network for those things. So that seems to be a natural fit. But as someone who works in the event industry, actually, there's two people here who work in the event industry. Are, Ryan, do you think Julie and Kirsten are cut out for the late nights um, and weekends that are involved with working in the event industry? I do. Do you not? No, I think absolutely not. I think that two privileged white girls like that are not going to want to work um, oh, I don't you think know. so. I disagree with that. I think Kirsten is fully disciplined and like wants to do a good job no matter what she does. So she'll do whatever she needs to for these events. Even At if it's... midnight on a Saturday? Yeah, 100%. I don't put... I would 100% believe that about Kirsten. Julie is a little... She'll probably 
do Julie stuff, but that's kind of what, that's part of her quirk. That's part of her charm. That's why we love her. She does things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I don't, the other thing about Kirsten is that it's not like she's, you know, had very long to get good at cooking. She just started cooking a couple months ago and now she's like, I'm a caterer. Well, I don't think she's cooking the food. Yeah, she, she is. is cooking the food. We learned that today uh, during this episode. Oh, that's why she was cooking in the kitchen. Yeah, and she goes, I've worked oh. on this for two days. Yeah, no, I don't believe that at all. I think that's weird. I thought I felt like they just, I feel like to be a good event planner, you just have to have the right connections, and they have all the right connections. Like, they know who to go to for every type of thing. Oh, I didn't realize, I just now realized after all these times watching the show that Kirsten was cooking mm-hmm. the food they took to that guy's house, which is not believable at all. But she only brought, like, one container in, and it took her two yeah, days. Yeah, that's what I don't get. To do that yeah, one she container. Yeah, she took her two days, and he had a $5,000 budget, and she only made one by the way, pan of food. By the way, that guy, in my notes, in my classifications, that guy was a Lance. Okay, when he showed up on screen, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, another Lance. Lance. There's another Lance in Dylan the show now. Dylan is obsessed with bringing up Dustin and Lance in every episode of this podcast. <laughs> uh, you mean a dog and a guy who doesn't blink? How is that not interesting? It's a dog and a guy that doesn't blink. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Well, Kirsten and Julie on the business lunch, uh, you know, as we said, Kirsten leaves and the guy approaches it and Julie's like, oh, I got our first client. This guy you know, starts talking to Julie. So they to cater $5,000 worth of food, apparently. Uh, meanwhile, Sandy has gotten himself quite the protege. I feel like, hang on, hang on. I feel like the $5,000 is like, I'm not defending them taking one thing of food over there, but I do think the $5,000 is like, most of that is just for their services and probably for some sort of setup or de- decorations. I don't know, but like, I'm not, they didn't have $5,000 worth of food. I, I would certainly hope not, but that is very, very popular. I guess that makes sense because it's kind of like my balloons, like you buy the balloons separate from like installation. Oh, and whenever you cater a an event, you buy the food separate from the staff that it takes to serve the food and clean up the food and that sort of thing. So, yeah, okay. All together. But anyway, still, say that's not even $1,000 worth of food. No, not even close. Could have been like really um, good ribs. So Matt and Sandy are getting along swimmingly. Um, they have a big project coming up, and uh, Ryan kind of walks by and shows some interest in their models. And Matt has this great idea that they hire Ryan as an intern. I hate I hate scenes like that where it's just like he like this this seventeen year old eighteen year old just looks at this diagram and he goes, oh you know, put a wall up there. You could open up the courtyard, expand your space. Like I and they're just like, wow, you want an internship? Like I I hate that type of writing so much. But it's it comes up several times. Like, doesn't Ryan help them with their remodel too? Like, that's a mo- yeah. big last season. That's like a motif that they keep going because that's how it comes full circle at the end when Ryan. I becomes kind an of architect. agree with you, Dylan. But I do feel like we've known Ryan to take an interest in architecture in the past. Like, it's been brought up multiple times. It is weird that he just walks past it and immediately sees a thing. But it also made sense to me that in since they just fired like what four people from this place that they would need as much help as possible. So Matt's like, hey, you should be an intern, which means we're not going to pay you, but we could pick your brain and make you do stuff. Yeah, high school labor. Hey, um, you do you. But so so anyways, uh, Sandy gets this big assignment. He's like, okay, it's due tomorrow. We have to have a meeting with these people, and then they're going to leave immediately and go to a different meeting. So we have to be on point. Is that what ha- I, I? This whole thing is so dumb. This whole situation with yeah, it's so these stupid. people who are driving to San Diego, but they have to stop by on a Sunday or something first. Like, it's so convoluted. It, yeah, I mean, it, it was dumb. And it, they really just did it because they wanted to have some kind of a redemption circle for Matt. But Ryan and, Ryan and Matt are trying, they're, they're trying to work. And Matt's like, okay, let's go take a break. And <laughs> he goes full Patrick Bateman, is what he does. 
<laughs> Ryan probably thinks they're going to like Sonic or something. Yes. Like, Sonic the strip club. <laughs> let's go get let's go get some strawberry waters. Yeah. We need strawberry water and we need ocean water and maybe even a cherry limeade. Does Matt is am I making this up in my head or does Matt do cocaine? Because I feel like he did he did or does and it, it comes up. I thought it came up here, but I didn't. Am I making all that up? I mean they don't show him doing yeah. cocaine, but he fits the the uh, I guess the stereotype very very it's well. It's like blue. It's like Blue's Clues. What would Blue want to do with a high stakes job, a strip club, and an impressionable young man? Like co- yeah. cocaine is the answer, Blue. That's 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 what it is. And a guy with like slick back hair like that, and didn't he go to like the Ivies? Like he has he has a cocaine user, you know, just all over him. Oh my God! Speaking though, like okay. Guys, I said this to you all in the text group, but I think that I found, I completely forgot about this, my all-time favorite scene, single scene, of the entire OC, full stop. And it's Ryan drinking what is very clearly a glass of milk at the strip club. (laughs) I rewound it to check and see what it was. He is drinking white milk. Ryan drinks milk at the strip club? Why do they even have milk? I guess some people order white Russians, but like, why would you want to drink milk at a strip he club? Was, he was drinking milk at the strip club. Count it. I have to ding you every time you say milk. Oh, uh, milk? So, I like, <laughs> Ryan drinking milk at the strip club is is my high tate of the third season. So go back, watch him enjoying this delicious beverage at the strip club, that beverage known as how, how do you say it, Ryan? Milk? Milk. Milk. Oh, he's just <laughs> drinking a milk. That's what he's doing. Wait, do you say Harvey Milk? Um, <laughs> I say I say Harvey Milk. Okay. I can't tell if that was right or wrong. You said it too fast, but okay. <laughs> it's like when you do on a true and false test where you put do a T with a little line so it could also yeah, be an yeah, F. Yeah, you said it too ambiguous. I do that good, with, good my, job with my voice. Good job you. So I'm very frustrated because at this big meeting... Milk. Um, Matt, Matt pretty much filibusters. He's like, oh, here's the presentation. He hands them over this like nicely, you know, bound presentation. And they start asking like, okay, well, um, you know, what's the pricing? And he kind of starts filibustering and eventually they call him out for not knowing the pricing and Sandy's so embarrassed. But this is why I'm so frustrated is that the price, like I do these big business presentations a lot. And I can tell you that the pricing out is never what takes a long time. You can calculate it in 30 seconds. Yeah. Like what takes a long time is making a fucking presentation. Mm -hmm. Like what he handed to the person that was bound. So So we'll have those numbers for you this afternoon. And I was like, just get your phone out and do it real fast right Mm -hmm. now. It's not hard. Why did he not do it on the shitter that morning? That's true. Or while he was brushing his teeth. Well, we know Chelsea doesn't do that because she's the constipation queen, but (laughs) Matt should have been doing it. Also, big Dylan energy for the the filibuster at the meeting. Like, like, no joke, that filibuster, I got some some crazy PTSD of, like, being called on in class, like, when I hadn't done any reading. It's like, you know, Mr. Irwin, please give us the facts of this case. And it's like, well, you see, I mean, the craziest thing about it is, you know, there's just this guy, right? And this guy was, (laughs) he was in a bad way, you know? And so I... I was getting secondhand embarrassment from him. It was so stupid. Like, like figuring out the numbers, our two numbers, our ballparking numbers. That's the easiest part of the deal. Stupid. I don't know. It was frustrating. So Sandy uh, goes to the strip club. Like, I don't know. Falls apart. Sandy goes to the strip club to confront him and fire him. Well, Nat, well Ryan had to have narked him. Yeah, here's Ryan what goes with him. Happened. 
and uh yeah no sandy shows up i I guess the strip club is just open on a weekend during the day which i guess would make sense but like it, it was very busy for a for a weekday daytime it's great brunch time man um so the stripper with a heart of gold that uh matt's apparently friends with do we know goes, her name i don't think so no, but I think she's going to law school i think and sandy mm-hmm. had my favorite line which is when she walks in because he must he must be one hell of a tipper. <laughs> that was primo, primo content from Sandy. She she goes in and tells Sandy that basically like Matt Matt's depressed because his girlfriend dumped him, and um, she herself can get them another meeting with those people. So she was the this one. This was who put it together such in the first a place. bizarre out of left field. Like, oh by the way, there's this stripper that's friends with Matt, and she knows what he's going through, and he she knows about his situation at work now because they talk, and also she was the reason they had that whole meeting with this guy to begin with. Like, it's like, what the fuck just happened? That was a very, um, what's it called, Dylan, whenever something just magically appears and it solves everything? Deus Ex Machina? Uh, yeah, it was a very Deus Ex <laughs> stripper that just showed up. <laughs> Deus <laughs> Stripper Ex Machina. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, you know, of course, Sandy calls him and gives him a second chance. It's a little storybook ending. Um, what do you think the purpose was of this storyline other than saying hey ryan's going to be uh, more intimately involved with the business is it just to kind of give matt kind of a story arc or a backstory what do we think the purpose was for this i mean i feel like for the ryan side i don't think he does work with them anymore after this episode i think on his side it was just to give him something to do to take time away from him and marissa right like i said i, I feel like part of the reason he's so for- forgiving with marissa is because mm-hmm. he's so occupied and not able to spend time with her so he's not going to be mad at her for doing other things when he can't spend time with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the Matt, I can't remember how the Matt storyline ends. I remember there's one, there's something with him and Marissa at one point, but it's like not really a thing, but they, but maybe it is, but it ends up not being a thing. I don't remember what happens with him. If there's some big drama I, or, or if he just slowly like disappears. Pretty, nah, he's pretty, he's a pretty big character because all of Sandy's workplace issues, like he's kind of a part of. Well, whatever that story is with Matt that I don't remember, I'm sure this is like part of the setup for that, just to be like, hey, look, he's not as good a guy as maybe he presents himself as. He's actually a pretty normal mid early to mid-20s dude who loves strippers and pulling all-nighters and being a fucking Wall Street bro, you know? Yeah. Well, and also it sets him up for being single, because that becomes important later with um, Kirsten and Julie's new business, which, da-da-da-da, great reveal. Turns out the guy who set up the $5,000 event with them really just wanted an opportunity to have dinner with Julie. So Kirsten shows up after slaving away for two days, cooking all this food. Um, she says that Julie bought out the flower market, but Julie walks in with like one bouquet. So not really sure what was going on there. It could be in the van. Uh, yeah, you're right. They could be in the van. That's true. With the other food. But yeah, basically, right. the guy is like, oh, I just wanted to hang out with Julie. And Kirsten's kind of like, okay, we're leaving. But Julie is just you know, dazzled and stays. Comes to the house the next day. Julie apologizes. She's like, sorry, that was really un- unprofessional. And ew, his mouth is like sandpaper. So clearly mm. they uh, tried to hook up. It didn't work out. Gross. Kirsten is really chill about it, though. <laughs> She's like, honestly, if you think <laughs> about it, our first our first event was A, a wonderful success. We got paid for it. But B, could you believe he wanted to spend that much money just to hang out with you? This is going to be a great new business for us. Thus, the Newport. The light bulb goes off. High and dating is born. What you just said about Matt's storyline playing into their dating thing, I don't remember that at all. I'm very intrigued to remember and see where that goes because I truly have no idea what that is. Oh, you're in for some surprises. Man. Yeah. 
Wasn't, and yeah. oh, oh, and it comes full circle because the woman that uh, it becomes important with has a history with, I guess, a future with Ryan IRL. Whoa. What? What? Hold on. Hang on. What are How you do talking you guys about? not know about any of this? I don't know what you're talking about. Ryan IRL. So wait, his, his current girlfriend? His current wife. Ben McKenzie's? Ben McKenzie's current, current wife? wife slash baby mama. Who and who is she? On the OC, um, she she's only in like two episodes or three episodes, but she oh, like oh she's the daughter of the other business guy that they do work with at the Newport Group, right? Yeah, yeah, she's okay. like a socialite that like they she like really likes Matt and they try to sell. I him remember like that. that. I did not know that that was Ben McKenzie's real life wife. I don't think Whoa. maybe I did, and I just didn't care enough to. I think put she that was in my head. well. I think she was married to someone else, and then they like fell in love at, in Gotham, and she might have gotten knocked up. So it was some of those very Hollywood stories. <laughs> Can't spell knocked up and. Gotham, a classic story. Can't spell love without OC. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, that was that episode. That was a great episode. Hey, what was your music moment of the episode, Ryan? They're at the strip club. They're playing Billy Squire, <laughs> The Stroke, classic rock. I like it. Need it. Love to hear it. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. That's right. Do we have any closing thoughts or do we want to talk about Christmas? I'm really uh, excited to talk about Christmas. I'm excited to talk about Chris 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 McCaw. Uh that will get us into episode ten. The Chrismica Bar Mitzvica, which features Sandy Cohen on screen for eight minutes and 11 seconds. Dylan Mazeltov. Thank you. Josh Schwartz. Is that their correct response? <laughs> when someone says Mazeltov, do you say thank you? Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Josh Schwartz gifted the Chrismica Bar Mitzvica on 6.22 million viewers on December 15th, 2005. That's three days before my 17th birthday, I think. So yeehaw. Let's talk about it, shall we? Wait, what were you doing? What were you doing in 2005? What was Dylan doing at 17 years old? Listening to a lot of Panic at the Disco, a fever you can't sweat out. Panic! At the disco? Yes. That was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was when you really were supposed to panic. You weren't just like encouraged to do it. It was like you scream it. But, um, it's not like Ryan Atwood is having milk at the disco, which is very different. Milk. Um, uh huh. Um, sidebar, I sent an interview request to Chris Caraba at Bonnaroo, and I think I'm going to try and interview him there. Oh, hands yeah. down, that would be the best thing you could ever possibly <laughs> be the best day of my ever. life. <laughs> I love it. Hey, guys. Mm-hmm. Hang all the mistletoe. It's Christmas season, and the core four are tree shopping. Seth is preaching the good word, trying to convince Ryan to go fully Jewish. Apparently, he's reached critical mass with his bagel consumption, and it's basically a formality at this point. Wait, can I stop? Do we, didn't, we left off a big part of the previous episode, right? Which part? What, what Where part? Marissa and Ryan are talking on the phone, and she tells him about Johnny telling her he's in love with her. Wait, that happened? I don't remember that happening. I don't remember it happening. Well, that was the that was a big that was the point. Is it was implied, right? Are you sure it's not this episode? Hang on, hang on. I want to go back. Yeah, because they because Ryan knows when they're Christmas tree shopping that Johnny is in love with her because Marissa told him. I don't think that they show that, do they? No, they didn't show. They so the end of episode nine, uh, the disconnect. Ryan goes to see Marissa. Marissa goes to see Ryan, but they miss each other, so they're at each other's house and they call each other. Right? Oh, you're right. Oh, that is that is a good. Good. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I just forget to write Marissa that down. I'm sorry. Is telling, and Ryan's like, well, Marissa's like, I had a weird weekend. He's like, I did too. And she's like, not weirder than mine. He's like, well, I got a lap dance, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Marissa is like, well, here's the thing with Johnny is that I fell asleep at his house. And Ryan's like, okay. And then she says, but then the next day and the, the episode fades out, but it's implied that she tells him then that what happened hmm. that Johnny told okay. her. Okay. Now, he's in love yeah, now I remember it. And that's why when they're Christmas tree shopping in episode 10, Ryan knows about the Johnny thing. Yeah. Okay. 
And the other part is when they're Christmas tree shopping, and Seth brings it up to him. He's like, "It's okay, Marissa and I talked about okay. it." Okay, like, that okay, has, yeah, I remember. That has like big cuck energy more than anything else. He's like, "No, it's fine, Marissa and I talked about oh, it." Oh yeah, and then yeah. and then she walks right up and says, "We got to get a tree for Johnny." And then Ryan's yeah, the one Ryan's that carries cool it. with it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Come on, Ryan." Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So wait, do we need to re say anything? Oh, no. Or or can you edit it like that? Ryan? I'm gonna leave it as the way it was, so it makes me look like I'm paying more attention than you. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna back up. Um, okay. We're talking about how Seth has decided that he wants Ryan to go full Jewish because apparently he's been eating so many bagels. I guess that means that he's pretty much Jewish already, which is what Seth is implying. Which I'm not even Jewish, and I'm kind of offended by that. Um, but Marissa. Uh, on the other hand, it, or Cooper Scooper is this new nickname we get for her. Um, weird. It's a, yeah, weird nickname. It's a perfect nickname because I think with the exception of Ryan, she does tend to pick up a whole lot of crap. Um, anyway, she wants to make sure that they find a tree for Johnny and the most perfectly timed uh, cuck situation for Ryan. So <laughs> the core four show up at Johnny's, um, who is now walking, by the way, at Johnny's house. We could call this it was a Christmas for the Cucks. And Christmas really for the Cucks. <laughs> okay. We would get a lot of hits on Google, yes. I'm just saying. Um, okay, so to be honest, I'm not necessarily a Christmas tree aficionado, but I think that it's a really lame tree that they get for Johnny. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan and Johnny's mom can both carry it one-handed. But um, so either she just might be yoked, but things are pretty bah humbug as expected at Casa Johnny. Turns out he can't afford the surgery, even though Marissa got him the surgery. Yeah. So Marissa got him a surgery the previous episode because she knows people at the hospital or whatever. Mm hmm. But now no one considered up to this point, like, oh, that's also, it's going to cost money. And Johnny's like, oh, fuck, I have to pay for it? It's like, come on, man. <laughs> well, I, Are you serious? Well, they did say that that it wasn't covered under his mom's medical insurance. So, again, medical insurance is a scam and it needs to be fixed. But that's kind of. Hey, they didn't have, um, they didn't have the Affordable Care Act back then. Obamacare. Hello. Yeah. So his mom might have had a drug plan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she may have. Damn it, Dylan. <laughs> So we got Barack Obama and George Lucas are what gets Ryan. <laughs> I love it. Let me be clear. Okay. So let's ke- let's get back to Christmas. So Sandy and Kirsten are back at the house decorating for Christmaca and reminiscing about everything that happened over the last two seasons of the show and getting, you know, pretty understandably sentimental. Sandy is convinced that despite everything, this is going to be the best Christmaca ever, which means nothing can possibly go wrong. There was a part where I just I had big Parks and Rec vibes whenever um, Kirsten's going through her old stuff, and she pulls out this weird ornament that's just made of sticks or something, and she's like, "My mom and I made this." (laughs) It looked like would a depressed person make this? (laughs) So. Best Christmas Wait, ever. Wait, I have a Christmas. Well, I don't know. Ryan, do you have a Christmas tree? Yeah, my family has Christmas as a Christmas tree. <laughs> well, I didn't know if you were strictly a Hanukkah person. Oh no, remember no, he, we're he... more we're much more Christmas than Hanukkah. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Well, I forgot. Do you, I, I'm now at the age where I have all my sentimental stuff, and it's it's sad. I have all of my sentimental ornaments because my mom was sick of it, didn't want them anymore, gave them to me. But now I'm like torn between: do I put these up or do I like hire someone to come get me like a 
you know, fashion Christmas tree. A fashion tree. Yeah. I, Christmas tree, but make it fashion. Man. I still have all my old Christmas ornaments at my mom's house, and I will put them on the tree every year. I don't need a fashion Christmas tree. I, I need a fashion It feels Hanukkah ridiculous. Bush, to, I, I can't, like, throw away, like, my little handprint in the clay, but I'm also, like, why didn't my mom want to keep this? That was going to sound a whole other rabbit hole of, like, shit our parents keep that I don't understand. But that's a whole, that's a separate, that's stay, a bonus podcast. Stay, stay tuned for the trauma hour coming uh, in between seasons. But anyway, speaking mm-hmm. of trauma, we're back at the diner and everyone is down about Johnny for some reason. So they all turn to Summer for a Christmas miracle. Remember, they kept teasing it in the episode just before this one. She saves mm-hmm. Chrismica. That's what she does. They're trying to find a way to pay for Johnny's surgery, and Seth has a brilliant, or terrible, if you're reasonable, idea of Ryan having a bar mitzvah and using all the money he gets to pay for Johnny's surgery. We also discover that DJ Ryan Drake completely missed the boat by not being DJ Goldschenberger. Yeah, that's um, a real DJ, but probably... It's a real DJ that came to prominence way after the OC it had nothing no at the time that line was written that was not a real person um, was Herkel also, the clown real Herkel the clown I think I don't know I didn't look this up I don't know if it's true or not I'm pretty sure it's a shout out to the Simpsons because huh. in like season it's one of the season two or three we found out that Krusty the clown was Jewish and his name was Her- Herkel <laughs> I didn't know that. Wait, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Wait, what was what? What else happened there? Were so you the, talking they're, about they're in the diner. They're uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so okay. So no, summer saves Krispika. I'm trying to remember back. So season. It feels first of all, it feels like so long ago. It feels for some reason, it feels like we covered season two Krispika before we covered season season one Krispika. Season one Krispika is more fresh in my brain for some reason. But season one summer did not save Krispika, no. right? Like it, that was the episode with she and. Was that the episode where her and Anna both dressed or did their things? Yeah, it's where Anna gave the better gift to Seth. No, disagree. You're wrong. Um, but so season two, Chris McGuff, that's when Summer saved Chris McGuff because she like threw a party at Lindsay's house when she found out she was adopted or she found out she was Caleb's daughter or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. So that's how Summer saved Chris McGuff. She right. threw a party and She decorated at it real fast. Yeah. She decorated that and they played Maybe This Christmas oh. Will Mean Something And more. Seth had that terrible Death Cab for Cutie carol and I didn't watch the episode when we covered it. Perfect. Yeah. That's the one where Summer went to Marissa, or Summer and Marissa went to her dad and got like a generator that would not power a bedroom much less a huge house but yeah, okay. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. So, back in Julie Land, a land of deep-fried ham, she's dipping and doing her best Ryan cosplay. Kirsten decides to be a good friend by saying she's a terrible friend. She doesn't want Julie to be alone for the holidays, but Julie is bullheaded and proud. Big surprise there. Turns out she's been lying to Marissa about her new Casey Musgraves energy that she's bringing to the OC. She's been, Don't you dare. She's been saying that her beachfront condo is having work done, I guess. Uh, Kirsten feels for her and sits down but says no thank you to some fat chaw. Um, we leave the trailer park and we go to a palace. We get our first glimpse of Summer's dad this season. He's still really not feeling Seth, but Seth is still trying. It's embarrassing for everyone. Summer decides to emasculate him in front of her father and tells him to go comb Princess Sparkle's tail because it calms him down. Um, turns out Summer and her dad are going to be spending Krismica alone because the step monster is off getting centered. Um, I'm loving the reintroduction to Dr. Roberts. Oh, he's great. He is awesome. I really like his character. Yeah, he's like a big, he's like a big classy teddy bear. Yes. But isn't he also kind of shitty for just being like, I'm not, I'm not hanging out with you on Christmas. I don't care about my wives. Yeah. I, it's like, Summer is a very, very independent person. 
And you can see why she has the confidence to be an independent person because you can, you know, you can tell that her dad like really loves her and did everything he was supposed to do. It's like the opposite of Tate Donovan. Yeah, he's the anti-Tate. Um, but still, that's no reason to be like, oh, I'm gonna work. My daughter's fine. She can go hang out with the Coens. What's what She's like the opposite of Lindsay. Remember whenever because like Summer like wants to have Christmas with her dad. I remember Lindsay was just like, I'm not having Christmas with you, mom. Going <laughs> to my new boyfriend's house. Bye. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> she was like, sorry, mom. Bye. <laughs> So, um, so back I, I, at Chani's I house. I forgot about Lindsay twice now in the last like five minutes, and it made me just you know a little a little nostalgic for Lindsay. Mostly Chelsea's uh, impression of Lindsay. Her really really high pitched <laughs> voice. Yeah, just like that. God, remember when that was every week for a couple for a little bit? Uh, I miss it. And now we have Johnny, and we're back at his house. He's watching surfing videos of himself. Um, <laughs> the team spills the beans. Tells Johnny he's going to have the surgery because they have an awesome Chrismica bar mitzvica plan. Johnny doesn't take it well. He doesn't want to be a charity case, despite the fact Marissa has literally been doing stuff for him for most of this season. He draws the line at people's money. So back at the house, the squad has to come up with a new plan for their very own Tiny Tim, which I thought that was really funny that they called him their very own Tiny Tim. They're convinced that Johnny will warm up to the idea. Eventually, Seth and Ryan have a whole lot of planning to do, and the first step is going to the parents. Sandy says what I think everyone is thinking and brings up the fact that it's highly offensive that Seth is trying to monetize, quote, a very important event in a Jewish boy's life. Um, To be honest, I think this is the most Jewish I've ever seen Sandy acting and the most Christian I've ever seen Kirsten acting. Um, But despite their initial misgivings, as is par for the course on this show, they're on board after at least a little bit of convincing. Johnny is playing solitaire by himself. It's like he has a book of most depressing nonsense I can do. Okay, watch. I didn't even really think about that. What? That's really sad. Yeah, it's Christmas solitaire. and you're Christmas and you're playing solitaire alone at your house with the lights with the lights off. The lights are off. You're watching your own surfing videos. He's oh also God. just being an absolute power tool to Marissa. At one point, he gets a private call and Marissa actually leaves and isn't walked all over for once. And I really like it. It's like, we get it, Johnny. We understand you don't want to be a charity case. Let's move on. Let's go into Seth's room. Um, It's kind of become Ryan's like bar mitzvah training ground. Ryan says he has 24 hours to learn Hebrew, memorize the Old Testament and humiliate himself in front of the whole town, which still makes Mm. no sense because all of this is to pay for Johnny's surgery. This plan is awful. I hate it. This is not a good Christmas episode. Yeah, I thought about the same thing. I was like, everyone who magically just showed up to this event for whatever reason, there's a lot of people showing up to this party. Couldn't you have just been like, hey, it's a Christmas party. Come drink and celebrate Christmas. Why did they, like, do where we, we led to believe that all of these people showed up because they wanted to see Ryan get bar mitzvah? No. I, I, I and, think, and also, that's insane to me. It's like, hey, come to this bar mitzvah of this practically adult looking man and please bring a whole bunch of money. To us. I mean, that's what I'm doing this weekend, but yeah. Yeah, that is true, I guess. Um, let's mm. go to the hospital. <laughs> Shade. Ryan's of a feather flock together. Hey. <laughs> Back at the hospital, Julie and Kirsten are discussing the bar mitzvah, and they run into Summer's dad, who's observing solid COVID Delta variant protocol and still wearing a mask indoors, even though he's probably vaccinated since he still works at a hospital. Are sparks flying between Julie and Dr. McSummer? Who knows? I don't. Probably. Uh, turns Not out yet. he's now an integral part of the plot as he's the guy to talk to about parties. Um, so I am loving the motif of her shouting things at dust while she's in the mobile home. Yeah. 
I love it so Especially much. now that we know that Gus is like a nice and non-threatening dude. It's not like she's like being harassed by him actually. Like she's tough enough to handle us. I, I think it's I think it's kind of funny. So are they doing cockfighting yeah. at the at the yeah, trailer with, park? With stray dogs. Oh god. Oh, they're doing she, dog fighting, that's right. She she references several times. She's like, Yeah, it's not like I could invite the noopsies to watch is it it is dog fighting. No, see I that's it the thing. It, they, she said cockfighting, but then she said with stray dogs. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what they're doing. Whatever they're doing, it's definitely illegal. I don't still don't know Ew. what it is. And it's terrible, whatever it is. You know, there were, there used to be a thing in Elizabethan England that Shakespeare had to compete with called bear baiting, where they would tie a bear to a post, and they would uh, put a whole bunch of wild dogs in there, and they'd see who would win. That's what Shakespeare was competing with. What you're describing sounds like the prison rodeo that I went to once. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Stay tuned a for prison rodeo. Stay tuned for bonus yeah. episode. I went to the very last. I went to the very last prison rodeo Oklahoma ever had in McAllister. A prison? What? What is this? Like Running Man? What the fuck is this? <laughs> running Man? Is that Burning Man or the Running of the Bulls? That's, Which one are you trying to get? That's an at? excellent Richard Bachman <laughs> reference, Chelsea. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm talking about the great '80s movie with with the with the Arnold. In we it. have to Wait, run you really faster. Don't know, you really don't know about the prison rodeo? It's like a. No. I thought it was like an Oklahoma like thing. I thought it was the most Oklahoma I have no idea what prison rodeo is. What is prison Dylan, rodeo? What it is? Um, no, I don't. I grew oh up on the God. fancy streets, Ryan. In McAllister, every year they used to have a prison rodeo at the prison, where they would let the prisoners like go do rodeo stuff for like they would they would like put a couple of dollar bills and attach them to a wild bull, let him run around, and they were they were allowed to run after the bull and try and get the bills off of the bull, but he would like That's end up the worst running thing over most heard. of them. It was a lot of stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Would they not die? I'm sure some of them. They made a documentary about it. Okay. I'm going to watch well, it and the Woodstock 99 one. Yeah, I was going to say, Ryan, your last uh, documentary recommendation was very, very good. So any documentary. I'm not recommending the Prison Radio doc. I'm just saying they made it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, right now, right now, your score is 100% on the Woodstock uh, one's great. Doc- documentaries. So you, we'll keep it at that. Do you guys remember when Johnny was watching surfing videos of himself and we all thought it was weird? Mm. <laughs> So now we see Seth and he's watching his old bar mitzvah video, which is weird, but not as weird. Um, My favorite part about this bar mitzvah video is they clearly couldn't get Alan Dale back to film the footage as Caleb Nichols. So they hired some guy who sounded a little bit like him to just say Shalom Shalom in the background. (laughs) Um, We also get a solid child actor doing his best best Seth Cohen imitation. Um, We find out a little bit of backstory that comes to be important later. And an actually, you know, genuinely interesting turn of writing. Uh, it turns out some are RSVP'd uh, along with a lot of kids, but no one showed up. So I kind of felt sorry for baby Seth Cohen. Um, also, he had a rapid palate expander, which I had weird stuff with my teeth when I was that age. So oi humbug, I completely agree, kid. Um, but guess what, guys? That's right. We are back at the diner again for what I think is the 22nd time this episode. Um, Marissa spots Johnny from out the window. It turns out Johnny is meeting with someone shady, giving that shady person money, and then waddling away because he still can't walk right. Since it's the OC, Marissa follows him, finds him under the pier where literally everything happens. Johnny, of course, talks about how depressing everything is, how awful things are, and Marissa just eats it up. Ultimately, she blows off her dinner date with Ryan at the diner. Uh, Johnny's coup de grace is him telling Marissa that um, knowing she's pulling for him is one of the only things keeping him going. Then he misreads the signals, leans in for a kiss, and is rebuffed. And because this is the OC, Ryan sees everything from his vantage point atop the pier. How do we feel about this sequence? So that was the exact same spot that 
Gidget and Ryan had their fight, right? That's where Gidget took her when he kidnapped Yeah, her. and that's where Tate got beat up, too. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff going down under that pier. They should probably set up a security camera. Um, Marissa seeing him, like, outside on the pier on Christmas just was like, come on. Or around Christmas, whatever. And then Ryan going to the restaurant, not seeing her going outside, looking over and happening to see them, like hugging that was it was too much also the hug was so awkward yeah it was it was it was a definite it suffered from the rebuff energy but it was still bad regardless of that yeah it was there i got proximity cringes um ryan sees seth the next day turns out surprise surprise the bar mitzvah is off makes sense considering johnny was the whole reason everyone was doing it kirsten though comes in with perfect shakespearean calamitous timing and is chipper because everything is working out on her end for the party planning who's gonna tell her everyone we'll find out <laughs> um, we get to spend some quality time with Summer and Dr. McSummer. Um, I really like their vibe together. They're decorating an outdoor California Christmas tree. Summer, just go ahead and she gets straight to the point for purposes of exposition and asks why her mom left. Uh, according to dad, mom apparently didn't like it in California. I don't believe it. Um, turns out when she left, Summer was already mad at her dad, so he couldn't talk to her about it. Because her dad wouldn't let her to go to Luke's party. Because if you remember in that Bar Mitzvah video with Summer RSVPing, he wouldn't let her go to Luke's party because it turns out Summer had already RSVPed to something else. The other thing was Seth's Bar Mitzvah. It's fate. Um, then Dr. McSummer leaves because he has rounds. I didn't realize plastic surgeons had rounds. I have thoughts about that, but I won't talk about them. How did you feel about this realization that Summer had RSVPed and that she didn't end up going to Luke's party because her dad said you already have another commitment. Well, it was nice getting some of Summer's backstory. Like, we never really were told what happened to her mom. I think I assumed that she just died, which I guess wasn't true. I don't know. Hmm. I, I, th I thought they did a good job. Like, it, I... it did make you feel tender things towards Summer and Seth at the same time, because that would suck if no one came to your bar mitzvah. Well, no, so... Summer didn't go to Seth's permissive because she found out her parents were getting divorced and she was upset and didn't want to leave the house. She didn't go. Her dad, right? Isn't that, is that, so, is so that what you said? The way, the way that I hear it is she had RSVP'd to Luke's party. Or she, sorry, she had RSVP'd to Seth's thing. She wanted to go to Luke's party. Her dad said, no, by the way, we're getting divorced. And so she was just upset and locked herself in the house for three days or something. Yeah. So, but she, and she, so okay. she was upset about the divorce and upset that her dad wouldn't let her go to Luke's party because her dad was like, you already made a commitment to go to this other thing. I just felt like this whole storyline in this episode in particular was so weird yeah. and like forced and didn't need to be there at all. Like we didn't need this, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it's to, it's to benefit Dr. Roberts more than anything else to kind of give a little bit of character development for him. But like, yeah, it didn't, I liked this, it. it just seemed really out of nowhere. It's a lot of digging for a little bit of payoff. I feel like it's, it's like watching Tenet and I mean, you know, some, <laughs> some people like, some people like it, I guess, but um, Marissa continues to push the envelope and invites Johnny to the diner again because the diner is like the only set I guess that they had access to this season. Um, mm -hmm. Johnny thanks her for quote Crab Shack yeah, is out. See Crab Shack. Uh, Johnny thanks her for quote talking him off a ledge which is the most ham-fisted foreshadowing in the oh, history God. of the written word. Is that, a, is, that a, is that a Chekhov's ledge? That's a Chekhov's ledge. That's wow. that is absolutely. It's like Schrodinger's Johnny. It's like he's in the box, and if you open the box, he's dead. That one doesn't work. So Johnny wants to start over, much like I do, um, because things are weird. His knee is screwed, and quote, he gives off a vibe. 
Um, I love his self-awareness. He remains mysterious, though, about the mysterious man that he gave money to and um, leaves after, like, just saying that. He, I, I hate Johnny. I, I kind of don't so pay attention. He's, it's private. Like, what the fuck, Johnny? Yeah. Get out of here. It's like you're not talking about pooping. What are you doing, dude? So yeah. <laughs> let's talk about another Sandy Cohen uplifting speech because that's what time it is. Sandy wants Ryan to go ahead and do the bar mitzvah. Because even if he doesn't want to do it, there are a lot of people counting on him. And after all, bar mitzvahs are about becoming a man. And there's nothing like becoming a man in your late 20s by doing something you don't want to do for your girlfriend's kind of boyfriend. So I appreciate the speech, Sandy. Back uh, in... Cock vibes. Yeah. Back in same trailer, different park, uh, Julie shows off her full-on whale tail as she puts up her tiny tree. Kirsten shows up and hits her with some truth telling her that Marissa needs to know the truth. It might be a good idea, especially because Marissa doesn't really handle being lied to by Julie very well, but no one ever learns anything in this show, so that's neither here nor there. Speaking of Marissa, time to talk to Ryan about what happened with Johnny, just like her spending the night at his place. Quote, unquote, nothing happened. She gaslights Ryan when he asks why she always has to help guys like Johnny. Um, she's a pretty terrible girlfriend. If we hadn't realized that the 400 other times something like this happened. Yeah, I felt like I know. I felt like here whenever she said that I, that I got to a point where I was like, this is, I think, the third time in two episodes that Marissa's had to explain, but nothing happened. And I was like, if you get to that point, there's something wrong. Yeah, but like. She's worried about Johnny, um, and she makes that clear to Ryan after gaslighting him. She thinks that uh, Johnny's into something dangerous, but Ryan agrees to talk to him uh, and help out Marissa because he's Newport's sexiest doormat. Um, so he goes to talk to Johnny. He arrives at Johnnyville all suited up. Johnny is taking a massive dump and tells Ryan it'll be a minute. So naturally, Ryan shower. goes and searches Johnny's room. He looks in his backpack and finds nothing. Johnny emerges from the bathroom having dumped. He doesn't find nothing. He finds skateboard trucks. Okay. That's, but nothing nothing nefarious. Um, but that's the last so Chelsea's thing. Chelsea's fully asleep right now. Well, that's the last <laughs> thing he finds before Johnny emerges from the bathroom. He dumps so hard he's having to towel off because he got sweaty. He took a shower. He, he, you know what you believe your own reality i think he took a dump and it got so intense he got sweaty and he had to towel off his hair he invites johnny to the bar mitzvah uh, but johnny says he can't make it ryan pushes back aggressively johnny folds like a concertina and when ryan leaves johnny makes sure that the camera can see that he has a gun and ryan almost found it uh-oh everyone this isn't going to end well but don't worry we have a little bit of a johnny's got a gun <laughs> have... here you go we have a little bit of a deep breath because it's bar mitzvah time. We get a solid establishing shot of Ryan in a baseball uniform looking cute, kind of, before they go to take pictures. Ryan tells Marissa to not let Johnny out of her sight because he's kind of thinking that something weird is going on too now. Strange things are afoot at the adult man's bar mitzvah. So Julie heads to Dr. McSummer's house to check and see if the sparks were indeed flying. I don't know about you guys, but I think they're that's there. That's not why she went there. She went to Summer's house to see her daughter. Yeah, that's that's what she wants you to think. Um, you know what? If sparks are flying, I wrote, I wrote this in all caps. Summer and Marissa would be sisters. Like, that's huge. That would be so huge for them. I want that for them. So over drinks, we find out that Summer's self-medicating step monster isn't just getting balanced. She's also wanting a divorce. Divorce number three, I believe, is what Dr. McSummer says. Um, like OC plot two. Okay. Well, like OC plots, marriages tend to fall staring apart, down, I guess. Staring down the barrel of my second divorce. Oh. Well, Julie knows just the trick to make him feel better about his impending divorce. 
going to an adult man's bar mitzvah. So back at the bar mitzvah, it's picture time with the bar mitzvah boy, but Johnny is up to something. So just as the string quartet plays dreidel dreidel, Marissa follows him to see what's up, but she loses him just as Sandy gets on stage to show off again that he is the perfect MC. Sandy announces Ryan, but yeah, He's gone helping Marissa uh, do something else, just like the Risky Business episode. They have to stall for time. Seth goes mm-hmm. up there to here. and tries to filibuster. Eventually, he invites Marissa and Summer up there to make it exactly like the Risky Business episode. Um, meanwhile, Ryan has followed Johnny to the Mini Mart. Johnny has brought the gun. And it sounds like despite the music playing inside the Mini Mart, this won't be such a silent night if Johnny has anything <laughs> to do with it. Johnny begins to second-guess himself by the popcorn and Powerade. The clerk is getting suspicious, and just as he reaches for the gun, Ryan walks in to grab a lottery ticket and some cigarettes. They have an in- is Ryan 18? Uh, I, th- I guess he has to be. Um, they have an intense mumble talk about what's going on, and Ryan hits him with, quote, Sometimes you just gotta let the rich people help you. Yeah, right. uh, that was cringe. So... That scene with Johnny before Ryan shows up is actually pretty well done. It was like pretty intense because mm-hmm. you you could see that the the clerk is up to something. Like you know he knows something's up, yeah. and uh, they, I mean Ryan walked in at the absolute last possible second. Yeah, and then it was and, some uh, Breaking Bad energy, honestly. And then on yeah. cue, right after the mumble talk, two cops show up. Like yeah, you really dodged a bullet there, Johnny. Good job, buddy. But also, mm-hmm. it's very suspect if you're the clerk guy who's working at the mini mart that you think some shit's about to go down with this one guy then a second guy walks in buys cigarettes and lottery tickets and then like walks away and like has a huddle with the first guy in the back of the store yeah. right yeah i uh yeah but luckily regardless of how it was handled now that things have calmed down with johnny back at the bar mitzvah seth and sandy are singing jewish songs to no reaction so marissa and summer start playing singing. dreidel they're singing dreidel dreidel yeah but there's i made you out of clay but that's the music mo- music moment of the episode <laughs> <laughs> but it's not really Luckily, uh, Ryan shows back up right as the singing continues, gives a rousing speech about the mitzvah the Coens bestowed upon him, and they cut the scene right before he actually starts speaking Hebrew. Not super excited about that. We meet back up with congratulatory backslaps and dancing. Cue That's What Friends Are For and a strange... Music moment of the episode. Strange group circle dance involving the core four and Johnny for some reason, but then just, uh-huh. just to make things more awkward, the circle breaks up. Then Julie and Dr. McSummer join the core four plus Johnny for some bizarre Jewish line dancing that I sincerely wish exists. And it's not Jewish line dancing. There's no such thing. And what were they doing? Just because they were doing it at a bar mitzvah doesn't make it a Jewish dance. That's what people do. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? Could... Uh, Dylan or Dylan or Ryan. Did you guys go to like Stuco camp? Oh, yeah. Mm, no. I yeah, you know how the last, really by the way, everyone gets so clingy during it and until you go to college pretty much, everyone's like, oh, my time at basic, it was so special. Mm-hmm. But everyone loved to do that, put your arms around each other and sway. Oh, yeah. With the leadership camp stuff, it's because you spend three days not sleeping and by day three, you're sleep deprived and really emotional and you're crying over people that you will maybe talk to one more time before you die. Great. Oh, I lost Chelsea. No, she's, she heard I'm you. Here. We're just choosing to ignore you. you. She's just ignoring me. That's how it is. Well, you know what? I cannot wait for Ryan's birthday because I'm going to start one of those Jewish line dances during your DJ set. <laughs> Stop calling it that. Uh, weird weird part of that when Dr. Roberts shows up. like So Ryan and Johnny are like fully embracing and like dancing together. Dr. Roberts shows up and gets involved. 
and then Julie shows up and like goes up to Ryan and get between him and Marissa and she goes I come in peace and he's like it's fine it's the holidays and it's like I don't remember exactly what the last thing that happened with Ryan and Julie was but that's very similar to the season one Christmas episode where yeah. Julie was going to yell at Ryan and Caleb stops her and goes it's the holidays his ghost lives on in yeah. Ryan but that's the episode, everyone. That's the Chrismica Barbitsvica, which I thought I was going to say that more, but it's no Malpisode. Uh, I think that that one was better. Season one Chrismica is obviously the best. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. It is the best. Season four Chrismica is my personal favorite. I think it's my favorite episode maybe of this whole series. I'm, I just love it so much. I'm one, four, two, three, I think for Chrismica episodes. It was just the machete order of Chrismica episodes? Yes. One, four, <laughs> one, four, two, three. Four, one three two for me wow someone hates I Lindsay. Know this season three was better than season two's christmas episode yeah well you know what i actually really liked about this episode is so often whenever a character starts dating you don't really show the process of like why they're attracted to each other how they start to trust each other and why they fall in love and i think that's really really cool that julie and robert kind of have a slow burn dr roberts yeah. Dr. Robert. called him Robert like his name was Robert Roberts. <laughs> Isn't that a Beatles song? Dr. Robert? No. Yes, oh, it is. It's on Magical Mystery Robert Tour. Robert Roberts. Uh, yeah, so the seeds have been planted for Julie Roberts. <laughs> uh, future Julie Roberts. I don't think they ever get married, um, but there's something going on there. I lied. And, it's on uh, Revolver. Yeah, that's, the, that's the season three Chrismica episode. There's not a New Year's episode, right? The next one is not New Year's. I don't think so. We only got that one New Year's episode, but yeah, that's better than the season two Chrismica episode, I think, in, in my opinion. Agree to disagree. We can have a ranking. Okay. We need to, that's a, I think our final episode should be rank every single episode of the OC. I'm such a fucking... I love the Bizarro Timeline Season 4 Christmas episode so much. Yeah. It's so wild. It's so out of yeah, the realm. Yeah, you get to see Tate again. Yeah, God, love it. Uh, anyway, that'll do it for uh, Keeping Up with the Coens this week. If you want to talk to us more and tell us about your favorite Christmas episodes, <laughs> you can reach us on the internet. Uh, on Instagram at Cohen's Pod, C O H E N S P O D, or you can email us, Cohen's Pod at gmail.com. Dylan, they could also do other things. You can, but because I know if you listen to this podcast, you are, you're like Summer Robert Smart. You're, you're awesome to hang out with. We love you. And you, um, you get really good scores on tests. So I don't need to constantly repeat myself. Um, so I'm just going to shorten it and say, Leave us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. It really has given us some good boostings. Oh, Thanks, yeah. you guys. We're like on the front. I think we're on the front page whenever you type in the OC. Are we? I haven't. We need to forever. be. By the way, this is launch week for season three. Like we're recording Ooh. this the week the show is launching. Are we ready for that on Wednesday? Are we all clear? Good. good yeah, good two days. Two days wow, until, go, until go time. Uh, season three dropping this week you already know that because that was four ish weeks ago <laughs> all right uh that'll do it for us this week chelsea do you have anything else you want to say uh no i just i this episode is swimming along <laughs> <laughs> perfect ending that's it goodbye <laughs> oh my god i just ch- what is the word for chelsea bustard chilla buster i just chilla bustard 